Uh, there was the sermon. I'm going to pray, and then uh, you get to go home. Uh, I think there's several of you that would be happy about that, actually, but we're not going to let you off the hook that easy. Uh, we are, uh, we're so blessed, aren't we? Um, when you stop and look around, there's, there's blessings all around us. There's tons of blessings right here in our church, including these crazy creative people that, uh, in our church here that, that pull together something like that. There's blessings amongst all of you right here, Kevin right here, Brian right here, one of my best buddies in the world, Scott right here. Scott, you clean up so nice. Uh, I'm so thankful for that. Uh, if you're online, you clean up nice too. I can see you. Uh, we've enabled this uh, technology that your webcam is now on and we're spying on you as you're spying on us. So just kidding. We're really not. Uh, but we're thankful because uh, God is a God that likes to bless us. He, he likes to uh, gain more and more traction in our life, not to... Uh, uh, be some harsh taskmaster, but because the more traction that he gets in our hearts and our lives, he knows the better off that we are. And uh, that, that when we are living with God uh, in full, complete reign of all of us, then that also becomes a blessing to other people. It, it glorifies him to see his people living their whole life for God. That, that's a tremendous blessing. Are you familiar with Ovaltine? Yeah, it's phenomenal. I mean, we've already established Mountain Dew is the nectar of the gods. And then slotted right below that is uh, Ovaltine. And our family goes through it uh, for the last decade plus. We go through a canister of that stuff uh, very, very quickly. It's, it's basically just powdered chocolate. If you spin the back around, the label has a huge portion this big of nutrients, nutrients found in Ovaltine. And yet when you look, uh, sugar is number one uh, on, on the list of ingredients. And uh, Ovaltine is one of those things, if you have to go into the grocery store to search for, uh, it's not always in the same place. How many of you are the designated shopper for your family? Okay. Uh, how many of you have ever been in a grocery store before? Okay, good. Um, I had to go in for Ovaltine, and uh, I didn't quite know where to begin. Uh, it goes only in milk, so uh, I, I knew it wasn't refrigerated, but I thought, well, I'll go back to the milk section. Maybe there's an end cap with Ovaltine. No, it wasn't there. And then I saw an aisle with the display. There was a liner there that said powdered drinks. I wonder what's a powdered drink. That's fantastic. They, they have it labeled. I went up and down the aisle. There's no Ovaltine. Eventually, I, I found it in, um, in, in a section next to the, uh, the chocolate syrups. And it made me so thankful. It was so difficult for me to find. It made me thankful in general for the categories in grocery stores. Can you imagine if you went in and the, the stuff in the grocery stores, there was no aisle of this there, there was no, you know, vegetables and fruit section over here, which I rarely visit. Uh, there was no cereal aisle. There was no paper goods aisle over here. It was just all a mashup. Can you imagine how confusing that would be? You go in, 
And here's the, uh, the cup of noodles right next to the cassava melons right next to your huggies. Not your huggies, but ones for your kids. That would be so difficult. I'd never find anything. Sometimes having things in categories or compartmentalized or separate is a good thing. But a lot of times when things are compartmentalized or categorized or separated, it's a really, really bad thing. And when it comes to your Christian life, when it comes to your faith in Jesus, if you are living a compartmentalized Christian life, you're going to be in trouble. And you're missing the point of what following Jesus is all about. If your faith in Jesus is something that you have separated out from every other aspect of your life, you are a Christian here on Sunday, but you do not live out the Christian life on Monday, you're missing a tremendous blessing. You, you would be uh, legitimately irritated if you found out that uh, me, as, as one of your pastors, if, if I were uh, following Jesus here when I'm with you, but then when I went home, I was absolutely horrible to my kids. You would be legitimately irritated. You would be legitimately irritated to find that if in my neighborhood or when I was around strangers, I lived a completely different life than what you perceive I'm living or what you hear me talk about living here in this case. You'd even be irritated legitimately if you found out that I was a complete jerk to other staff that, that we work with here. You, you would have good cause to be irritated. Because when I say I'm a follower of Jesus, that is meant to seep into every aspect of my not life, not just one vocational sliver, or not just when it's convenient for me. Now, the, the deal is, you are followers of Jesus, most of you here in this room. And there is no difference between me and you. Our vocations are different, but when it comes to being a follower of Jesus, Jesus has not called you to live the Christian life just in this one little sliver of your life and then allow the rest to be whatever it is. What if we allow Jesus to take all the different ingredients of our life and bring them together under his lordship, under his direction, under his grace. And he pulls our spiritual life and our emotional life, our physical life, our relational life, our financial life, our sexual life, all of it under his grace, under his rule, under his lordship, under his direction. You put all these ingredients together so that now you yourself are enjoying cake and not just a big pile of salt, that you put all these ingredients of life under the lordship of Jesus together and now we are serving cake. We're serving cake to our friends, not just flour. When you go to work, you're serving cake to your coworkers, not just raw eggs. 
And it's time for us to get there. Over the next several weeks, Pastor John and I will be diving into this series called A Piece of Cake. We know that living like Jesus is Lord, we know that having Jesus have access to all areas of our life is not a piece of cake. It's not easy, but we know it's better. And we know it's that what he's called us to. Doesn't the world need a whole lot more cake, figuratively speaking? They, they don't need the raw eggs and the pile of flour sort of Christians. They need cake Christians. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds okay. <laughs> if you have your Bible, please uh, join with me. Open up to the book of Colossians. And just a heads up, this summer, uh, we're going to be doing a book study, verse by verse, verse expository through uh, the book of Colossians. And so we'll revisit this chapter even greater depth when we get there, when we cruise through it this summer. But uh, right now, uh, Colossians, just for a quick summary, if you're not real familiar, it's about 80, 90 percent of the way through your Bible. Um, it was written by a guy named Paul that's writing to these uh, believers in this city called Colossae to encourage them. And the first half of his letter is just establishing that Jesus is Lord. He is not just our Savior. He's our Lord. And Lord means master. It means ruler. It means over everything. And then the second half of Paul's letter uh, talks about the implications to your life and my life. Understanding that Jesus is Lord. So the, the letter of Colossians is about lordship living. What's it look like for us to have Jesus as the Lord of our life in every area of our life at all times of our life? Not easy, but it's better. And it's what he's called us to. And by his grace and his goodness, we'll get there. Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to be. Look first at verses 1 through Four. Paul says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is. He's seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This Jesus that has come to rescue you, he laid down his life for you. He rose from the dead, conquered sin and death, made it possible for you to go from being an enemy of God to being a friend of God's to being guilty before God, to being not guilty before God. All because of the person and the work of Jesus Christ on your behalf. He, he is God Almighty. He's not just some guy. He's not just a good teacher. He is seated high up over everything right now at the right hand of God. Very nature, God himself. He is Lord. That's who he is. That's not up for you to decide. That's not for you to pick. 
whether you're living like he is or isn't, that is the part where you've got some choice in the matter for sure. But whether he is or isn't Lord, that's not your choice. But whether you're inviting him to be in rule or the Lord of your life rather than you being the Lord of your life, that is up for grabs. If you want to keep the Jesus portion of your life as a separate ingredient from the whole rest of your life, he will allow you the choice of doing that. And you will then reap the consequences, the fallout of what comes with that. It's like we talked about this before. It's like if you're driving on the road and you saw Jesus hitchhiking. And you drove right by. Whoa, whoa, that was Jesus back there hitchhiking. That's so crazy. And you just kept driving. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Probably not. If you're driving on the road and you saw Jesus hitchhiking and you pull over real fast, you're like, oh, that was Jesus. This is crazy. You get out and you, you go over. Jesus, what are you doing here? You want to ride? Yes. Okay, come on. And you pop the trunk. And you say, hey, get in. Get in the trunk. You can cram in next to the junk that I shoved back there and that, that little spare tire. Don't worry about that. And then you put Jesus in the trunk. You slam the lid shut. You get in the driver's seat. And then you, oh, this is cool. I got Jesus in the trunk of my life. This is cool. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Probably not. If you're diving down the road, you saw Jesus hitchhiking and you pull over and you let him ride in the back seat. Hey, Jesus, come on, get in the back seat of my life. Sit back there. You can listen to my music. At least you're headed the same direction I'm choosing to go. Oh, I got Jesus in the back seat. Just don't talk too much, Jesus. I don't like a backseat driver. Here we go. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Probably not. You're driving down the road, you see Jesus hitchhiking, you pull over and you let him ride shotgun. Probably still not the Lord of your life. Jesus doesn't want to ride shotgun. Not until you were driving down the road, you saw Jesus hitchhiking, you pull the car over, you pull the keys from the ignition, you get out of the driver's seat, you walk over to Jesus and you say, Jesus, you proved that you were trustworthy. I don't have any business driving my life. Here are the keys to my life. You sit in the driver's seat of my life and I will ride shotgun. That's the only appropriate place for me. And I'll just sit over here. Thank you very much. And you can drive wherever you want to go, whenever you want to go. And can we just talk or we're going where you want to take me? Then Jesus is the Lord of your life. Now that's his desire for us. That's what he's calling all Christians to. Am I perfect at keeping Jesus in the driver's seat of my life? No. And you're not either. You know that you've had days or weeks, months, maybe even years where Jesus was not in the car at all. There's times where he was invited into the driver's seat of your life and then for a while you you moved him to shotgun or the back seat or the trunk. But it's those reminders that Paul gives us right here in verse four. He says, when Christ, who is your life? Who is your life? You want to talk about your life. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, you have a Christian life 
then your Christian life is encompassing everything that you do and all that you are and everything that you say. It was not something meant just for Sunday and forget about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It was meant to be your whole life. Christ is your life. You didn't just invite, I hate this, our words matter, our language matters. I don't even get it right all the time. But we use that phrase, I've invited Jesus into my life. No. Jesus is not just in my life, he is my life. And if anything, he's pulled me up into his life, the living God and Lord. I am hidden, swallowed up in, covered by, wrapped up in the life of God. And now whatever life I happen to live, my little part on this timeline, it's rather small in comparison to the life that I've been swallowed up into in Jesus. Look at verse five. Paul says, okay, in light of that, in light of the fact that Jesus is Lord and he desires to be in the driver's seat of your life, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. That's pretty strong language. We we do have an active part to play in this. Enabled by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit of God, he will empower us to do what we're supposed to do. And the things that he now lists here are all moments, uh, temptations that come where you've put Jesus in the driver's seat. Here he's going to list a number of things that are very real. All these different categories of life that may be opportunity for us, temptations for us to reach over and grab the wheel ourselves. These are all moments, categories of life that would maybe cause us, tempt us to push Jesus out of the driver's seat and us get back in. He says, put to death those things. Here they are. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. See, life pre-Jesus, it's compartmentalized. You can be this way on this day with these people and a whole different person this day on these. That's not what the Christian life is supposed to be like. But now you must rid also yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. This is huge because this is a reminder right from the scriptures that there are some ingredients in your life that are just plain gross. They're just plain hurtful. There are some ingredients in your life that are sinful and unhealthy. There's a bunch in our life that uh, our work, that's not inherently sinful. Uh, Relationships aren't inherently sinful. Uh, Alone time isn't inherently sinful. But the enemy loves to get into all of those categories and grab a hold of the wheel and pull it into sin to take our financial life and get a hold of that and, and produce greed, which is idolatry. 
to get into our uh, relational life and uh, turn the wheel into sexual immorality, pull us into the ditch. That's why the wrath of God is coming because he hates what it does to us. The stuff that we think is going to satisfy us is the stuff that kills us. And the stuff that really satisfies the full scope of the Christian life that Jesus called us to doesn't seem satisfying, but when we lean into it and bite into it, it really is. Continues on verse nine. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, by barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. You know, the, the Lord's at work right now. The Lord's at work in me. The, the Holy Spirit of God is, is at work in me as I pray, as I come around his word, as I interact with you, brothers and sisters in Christ. The Spirit of God's at work in me. Now, what, what I'm learning is there's certain uh, ingredients or compartments of my life that I flat out don't want God to go to work on. I, I just, I don't want him over there, if I'm honest. That's my flesh. But then I go down and I allow that just to sit over there and rot. And pretty soon it hits rock bottom. I go, man, that stinks. That's painful. It hurts. It hardens up. It goes numb. But the more that we're allowing the Lord access into all areas of our life, not just our spiritual life, but all areas, Man, then it's just like uh, some sort of dried up something with a sponge that's totally dried up and then you pour water and just, oh, just your heart can do that. Show me somebody that has a uh, compartmentalized heart and soul. I'll show you someone who has a compartmentalized life. It's called hypocrisy. It's called, I say this, but I live that. I believe this, but I'm uh, uh, walking out something entirely different. And Jesus, who is all and in all, is coming to uh, break uh, down and apart all the compartments and saying, I don't want your financial life and your sexual life and your thought life and your emotional life and your work life and your marriage life to be these different categories. I am in all of those. Let me into all of them. And then let me blow your socks off about what a marriage looks like that Jesus is actually involved in. In a heart of purity that Jesus is actually involved in. In finances that Jesus is actually involved in. Woohoo! Hang on. Okay, it finally gets good. Um, Watching your faces the last 10 minutes is a, oh man. Okay. Verse 12. And I love that this is the turn. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Okay. Stop right there. Uh, that's who you are. 
You are chosen. You are holy. You are dearly loved. Your identity in Christ, that's who you really are. So whatever self-condemnation you've been giving yourself in the last 10, 15 minutes, yeah, I pushed him into the trunk a while ago, or that season was a, I don't think he was even in the car. I think he was dragging behind Indiana Jones style. And it was bad. Stop it. Had you compartmentalized? Yeah. Uh, Do you want to allow Jesus to do some work in that? Yeah. But who you are, still chosen, still dearly loved, still holy. I mean, that's the crazy part about it is when we've got Jesus in the driver's seat or in the back seat, our identity doesn't change. But that's when the enemy comes in and goes, see if who you really are is just a loser, a letdown, a horrible, miserable sinner that God won't ever want to forgive or whatever. He said, no, no, no. Let Jesus get back in. And here's the beauty of what could be when he gets into every area of us. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You know that, that yes, there are some miserable ingredients and categories of life, but there are also some beautiful ingredients. Humility and gentleness and kindness and love and forgiveness. It's all of the things that Jesus is and all the things he's desiring you to have, not just on Sunday for an hour, but all week long, all year long. I mean, that, that's his heart for us. And then when these, these individual healthy ingredients come together under his lordship, under his grace, I mean, wow, that's a masterpiece. That is a piece of cake. He pulls all of these good ingredients together. You put humility together with thankfulness and forgiveness and love. Oh, that's That's a piece of cake I want to taste. That's a piece of cake that I want people to taste in and of and through me. That's the Christian life. That's what he's called us to. A life where he has every single aspect of us. And then verse 17, the end of the run here on this particular thought. Verse 17 says, and whatever you do, 
whether in word or deed. Whatever you do, uh, whether in word or deed, let me find the loophole in that real quick. Uh, whatever you do, oh, okay, do, do. So anything I say can, oh, wait a minute, in word or deed. Whatever you do, I think this covers it. This is saying Jesus is desiring to flood through with his truth and his grace and his direction and his power into every single category, ingredient, area of our life. Whatever we do, whether in word or deed, it's to glorify God. It's to make much of him. Whatever we do. That's the goal. Pastor John and I, over the next few weeks, uh, we'll be going to the scriptures and see what, what's God have to say about my married life or my uh, relational life or my emotional life or my thought life or my financial. He's got something to say about all of it. Why? Because he's got hope for all of it. He's got something powerful for all of those areas. Whatever you do is the goal. And then... Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, the goal of what we're going to just try to see happen is the Lord to gain traction in whatever we do in word or deed over the next couple of weeks and next couple of months. That's good for those of you that are just starting a relationship with Jesus. That's good for those of you that have been walking with him for a long time, right? But then here's, here's a question for you to begin to process in light of this last line. Would Jesus be happy attaching his name to what you just said or what you just did? If the answer is yes, keep doing it a whole bunch. And so, Father, we're looking to you for all the grace that you can give all the power that you can give to break through hard areas of our heart and our soul, to work against the stubbornness that we've got to isolate you and your direction into certain aspects. We're going to just stop right now and allow you to search our hearts Search our words, search our thoughts, search our behavior, identify an area or two in us that we are reluctant to let you sit in the driver's seat. With your eyes closed and your heads bowed, and those of you that are joining us online, There's people there online that are ready just to interact with you online, answer some questions, be able to pray for you. Those of you that are here in the room, there'll be people up front afterwards that can connect and listen. Maybe there is an area of sin that you need to turn from and just watch the kindness of Jesus wash over. 
Maybe you need to get out of the driver's seat and allow Jesus the keys to your life. Father, work on us and then allow those that need to do some business interact with people afterward about an area that maybe they need some help. We look to you for that help and invite you over the days and the weeks to come to pull all the areas of our life under your lordship and grace. And we sing to you right now in Jesus' name.